listening to episode 45 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Hello, Comics Pals. I'd like to thank you for this platform to speak because if it weren't for you one November day, I would not be president (laughs) of these United States. I am Wilson Fisk. I'm the one with the vision. It turned into a wrestler at the end. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, our president is a wrestler. He's in the WWE Hall of Fame. And he took a stunner. (laughs) But not me. I would never need to take a stunner, Wesley. I wasn't sure if that was uh, Kingpin or Stick. Oh no, that's Kingpin! Come it's, on, it's Kingpin, that's... and I I know that, and I got it halfway. But at the beginning, I was like, "Damn it, it's Stick again!" <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, if he was being Sticky, throw on the sunglasses. That's true. No sunglasses <laughs> that's true. here, so no Stick. The best part about this is we're making references to recordings that nobody will ever that's hear. Not yeah, what do you mean? Is the Stick thing in the last episode? Was, yeah, it was in the last episode. Yeah, I thought that was in the last episode. Mm-hmm. He oh, unfortunately right, well, he did break Stick out. <laughs> Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Well, good. So you were all subjected to it, too. <laughs> so what Pete is referring to is our Defenders review. Uh, we did review the the uh, full season, which you should be able to hear now alongside this. Um, and, yeah, definitely do check it out. Unfortunately, it didn't come out alongside our last episode because of things that were out of our control technical difficulties yeah we lost all sean's audio unfortunately because audacity uh just shit the bed on us and uh we had to redo the show but you know we got it out it's here now check it out yes uh and also be sure to let us know what you think about that by reaching out to us all over the place all over the internet um you can Leave us a rating on iTunes. We're currently a five-star rated podcast, and we endeavor to keep it that way. Uh, So you should go and leave us one of those. Uh, You can also find us on all other podcast hosting platforms. Um, And if we're not on your podcast hosting platform of choice, let us know, and we will get on there. Uh, We are at The Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. Uh, you can reach out to us by writing to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. We'd love to get mail. That's a lot of fun uh, because we're lonely people and uh, we enjoy it when people write to us. Um, and then last but certainly not least, we are on YouTube. We still would love for you to listen to the history of the Defenders or rather watch it uh, because it is a visual thing uh, as it is on YouTube. Um, and it's... it's uh, it's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's a visual thing yeah. that we made for your eyes. That's right. Um, <laughs> and ears. And yeah. uh, if you do listen to that and watch that, definitely be sure to leave it a like. Leave us a comment and let us know if you'd like to see us do more things of that nature. And, of course, subscribe to our channel. So, uh, with that stuff out of the way, I'd like to jump right into a buy or sell. Because, unfortunately for all of us... At least those of us on the East Coast. The summer's over. That's it. It's cold. I wore jeans. Um, I'm in a flannel. Right? I wear jeans during the summer. Oh, well, yeah. That's because you're a filthy hipster. Can't, That's why I love can't you. Can't bathe it off. 
<laughs> I wore jeans all summer too. Project <laughs> much? We can smell our own. So, given that the summer is over, I do want to do this buy or sell with you guys. Um, we're gonna buy or sell on the best comic book movie of the summer. Uh, so Ooh. that gives us Spider-Man: Homecoming, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and Wonder Woman. So, of those three, what are you buying and what are you selling? So, in the context of a buy or sell, this is a really easy choice for me, actually. Uh, Atomic uh, I Blonde. Go Wonder Woman. <laughs> no, I prefer brunettes, and that's why I'm picking Wonder Woman. <laughs> um, you know, I think as much as I enjoyed both of those other movies, um, you can go check out our reviews of them. Uh, Wonder Woman was the only one that, like, was revolutionary for anything. You know, it was Wonder Woman's first movie. It was the first good DC movie. So if we're talking about a world where I have to pick one or the other two don't exist, yeah, I mean, like, Wonder Woman's an easy pick. I'm surprised to hear you say that. I thought you would have picked Spider-Man. I mean, I really enjoyed Homecoming, you know? And it's like, in so many ways, it was the Spider-Man movie that, like, I've wanted for forever. And I, like, I don't think it's impossible that I'll get another that another good Spider-Man movie or an even better one, you know, that like hits those same notes. Whereas like this Wonder Woman movie like needed to happen and needed to be good, you know? And, uh, and honestly, like it, because of the, that movie coming out and the, the stuff that we do here on the show, like I read Wonder Woman comics and like got a newfound appreciation for her, um, that like I wouldn't have gotten if we weren't doing an episode promoting the fact that the movie was coming out, you know? So, yeah, like definitely Wonder Woman. <clears throat> Phil? Well, I didn't I didn't like Amazing Spider-Man. I think James Garfield's not a good actor, so I'm going to sell on that. Actually, I don't know if he, he's okay. He's an okay actor, but I didn't really <laughs> like the movie very much. This is just a review of Andrew of uh, Andrew Garfield now. <laughs> I don't think President James Garfield's a very good actor. <laughs> The realization of me getting this poor, poor actor's name wrong. Um, uh, I'm going to buy... I think I prefer... No, make your joke, Petey. <laughs> I think I prefer President Tobey Maguire. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Um, I'm going to buy on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Because that was the movie I had the most fun watching of the three. I liked Wonder Woman, but I think it tapers off at the end. Uh, I think Spider-Man Homecoming is just alright. But uh, Guardians 2 had a lot of heart, and I enjoyed it a lot. I liked the the familial feeling of it. And uh, I laughed during it, which doesn't happen during a lot of superhero movies. Huh. Okay. <clears throat> I threw you guys a curveball. Yeah, I, I totally expect you to say Wonder Woman. Uh, me too. So, for me, Wonder Woman, I probably I probably liked Wonder Woman more than Guardians. Um, and it also had the most lasting impression in the sense that I've thought about Wonder Woman more uh, since I saw it than any of the other ones. Um, just because there's, yeah. there's a lot of... Um, meat to the movie and you know it's trying to say something whereas the others are 
you know, they have they have a point, they have messages, but they're kind of, you know, oh, nice, Guardians is a family movie, you know? It's a movie about family and repairing fam- familiar relationships. That's cool, but I'm not, I would, I'm, you know, I'm fine with that. Um, but it didn't it didn't make me think about it after I left the theater. That being said, though, I'm buying on Spider Man Homecoming because uh, the curveballs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I just didn't think Wonder Woman was. I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was great. And um, uh, my question is, did you fall asleep during Spider Man Home- Homecoming? No. So that was the no. only one you didn't fall asleep during. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's actually true. <laughs> I've seen Wonder Woman again since then, and I have the same feeling about it. And Guardians, um, I I don't know. I I just something was there was something lacking there for me. Um, but Spider Man, I I enjoyed from the opening credits to the end credits. From the word um, go, yeah, from the word go. Uh, I love the villain. I thought it had the best villain of the three movies. Um, and that's true, Spider Man. So. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, all right. Well, we uh, all choose different movies. Yeah, when does that ever happen, right? <laughs> I like it. Um, so that's our buy or sell. You can always send us your buy or sell, and we'll read it on the air if it's not crap. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> fire those our way, uh, and we'll judge you for it. Where can they send those, Sean? Uh, I already gave all that stuff just before uh, we. I'm not doing that again, man. Um, At what was Marco? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all <laughs> oh, right. I guess I should I should uh, mention that Marco and Kale aren't here. Uh, you probably don't know that Marco's not here because he typically doesn't talk until the half hour mark anyway. Um, but. But yeah, they're not here. Uh, they're world travelers. Where's Kale? Uh, uh, is he in Italy? Liverpool. He's where? No, Kale's in Liver- Kale's in Liverpool. Liver- what the Mark hell is, is Liverpool? England. It's where the Beatles it's are in from. England. It's, it's in Italy. From, no, it's in England. No. <laughs> what is this? Oh, it's England. This is an Abbott and Costello bit. <laughs> Who's on Italy? Oh, it's Marco in, okay, is in it's Italy. In Liverpool okay. is yeah, where the Ma- Beatles are from, which is England. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Right, so uh, we're all very far from each other. Um, those well, two have forsaken the U.S. I was wondering why the show was less grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait till the news. Um, and so, uh, because I'm a proud, patriotic American, I'm just going to say, screw them. And stay where you are. If you don't want to be here, don't oh be God. here. <laughs> Lines have been drawn. Hydra Sean. That's that's right, dude. I'm fired up. Secret Empire is over, but the dream lives on in me, okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's a scary prospect. Alienating a couple listeners. So in the- <laughs> Not even listeners, like people that are actually on the show. Yeah, those are the couple listeners. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. So by the next issue, does that mean that we're going to find out that one of them was killed by a firing squad? Maybe. Which one of them is more likely to die by fire? Marco. Squad? 
<laughs> That's exactly where my mind went to, and I don't know why. Kale's a, they're Kale. both they're both equally likely to die by firing squad. Like, <laughs> I don't think either one of them has a chance. Kale would be arrested for being curmudgeonly, but Marco would be arrested just inadvertently for being there. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Kale. I feel like Kale would get arrested for like propaganda like he'd get he's the kind of guy who would get arrested for like handing out flyers about why the regime is bad and then get arrested oh that's why i would get arrested you would definitely get arrested for the same reason i just feel like kale wouldn't be able to help himself like he's just so pissed he would just he just would have to if i Um, can disagree with you just for a moment i think kale would be arrested for just being like he would kick an officer in the ankles or something (laughs) (laughs) then he would mouth off I mean, Phil, I think while you are the kind who would put out propaganda, I think if there was actually an evil regime, if anything, you'd be the one who got arrested for running around in a devil costume, kicking people in the face. (laughs) I've said this to other people, but in the event of a totalitarian society rising up, I would definitely be one of the first to die. (laughs) (laughs) Most likely to die during totalitarian regime. Phil, I would, I, would, I would be a martyr real quick. <laughs> oh man, Phil um, Joan of Arc, Casey. That's that's. You may that's be funny. able to kill me, but you can't kill the dream. <laughs> yeah, that's what I. That's what I say regarding Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, no! Uh, just just to avoid all the Matt Murphy tweets. Uh, <laughs> Not all Hydra. (laughs) I just want to put out there that I am kidding. I don't want Matt Murphy to attack me. Um, So I am joking. I'm not a I'm not a Hydra agent, nor a Hydra sympathizer, nor a Nazi sympathizer. Um, Have you kidnapped me many times? Because I've been kidnapped from the show like five times. I had a hand in at least one of them. A hand? Das <laughs> <laughs> Madarnia. What I love is that you put your hand out in the forefront of your webcam as if that A emphasizes what you said or B, anyone but us can see that. I still said hand loudly. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's the emphasis. We didn't need to see your hand. <laughs> I was channeling Pete's Italian this. Hey, Paisano! (laughs) Let's have genuine Italian food at the Olive Garden. Yo, don't even play. The Olive Garden is trash, and if you eat there, I feel sorry for you. Let's, uh, let's... (laughs) Let's talk about comics. Let's talk about, um... Let's talk about our pals polls for the week. Uh, so this this is a segment where we share with you guys the books that we're looking forward to in the upcoming week. So if you're listening to this on a Monday or Tuesday, these are the books that are coming out on Wednesday that we are most excited about. Uh, so we'll start with Kales, who is not here. Why he gets a pals pull when he's not on the show, I don't know. But I'm going to read them anyway. Um, <laughs> Mech Cadet U, that's YU, uh, number two. Uh, and Captain Phasma, number one. Captain Phasma is probably going to be good. It's got a really solid creative team. Um, I can't remember the name of the writer, but she is talented. And Marco Cicchetto is the artist, and he is one of my faves. 
So... You know what they probably said to themselves while they were, like, you know, plotting out that book? This what? character has no backstory. We can ignore Wikipedia and create our own. <laughs> right? You can never ignore Wikipedia. That that is that is exciting. It's Kelly Thompson, by the way. She's she's writing this book. Uh, the cover's awesome. It looks good. I can't wait to see what's inside it. Um, and then from Pete, we've got Walking Dead one seventy one. What can we say about The Walking Dead exactly. besides that I'm reading it? Do their feet ever get tired? <laughs> no, they're no. dead. Well, I guess The Walking Dead really is about the humans. They could be dead tired. Yeah, that's true. Uh, from <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, sex out. <laughs> I've been there. Uh, <laughs> We've from... all been The Walking Dead. <laughs> I feel like we were supposed to say that in unison, but I didn't catch it until it was too late. <laughs> it's okay. I chose not to participate. <laughs> you rebel. Um, from Phil, uh, we've got the Punisher by Garth Ennis Omnibus. It's a new printing, so if you've not had the opportunity to read that, check it out. I haven't, so I might buy it. Phil, sell me. One batch, two batch, penny and dime. Uh... It's funny, because I'm not a huge Punisher guy, typically, but um, it's a really good book. You know the episode of the Daredevil series where uh, Frank Castle has Matt Murdock tied up, and he's got his gun taped to like a revolver, and he's like, if you're going to stop me from killing these people, you need to shoot me right in the head, because otherwise I'm going to keep doing it. Either way, death is going to be on your hands, because you're a half measure. That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, that's from Garth Ennis' run. I think that's Punisher number three. Um, in general, uh, I think he takes a really nuanced approach to the Punisher that hadn't been really done up to that point. It's the Max series, so they get away with being a little more adult-oriented, which is, I think, important with the Punisher as a character. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it really explores his kind of extreme duality. Like, I think there's a part in the book where uh, there's just a guy who leaves his wife for a younger woman, and Frank just beats the shit out of him. Damn. <laughs> because that's, Fra- that's Frank Castle... And, I don't know, um, I haven't read all the Punisher runs to speak for all the other Punisher runs, but I started reading it because people were saying this was, like, the definitive Punisher run, so I really enjoyed it, and I typically only read things in collections, this is the first Omnibus reprint, and, uh, it's only, uh, $100, so you should pick it up only. for a good... Only a hundred dollar dues. Yes. Uh, well, you sold me effectively, so I will purchase this. Um, yeah, Punisher. I'm excited for this. And then series. the Netflix show comes out in November. Exactly. Uh, and then we're gonna do a we're gonna do a book club on that. Did we decide on that? We should do one with Garth Ennis. That'd be fun. November is gonna be so cramped. It's gonna be like a period. <laughs> What the hell? Well, all right. <laughs> that's that's uh interesting way to put that. Steering the train off the tracks for a second. Um I just watched an interview with the actor that plays Punisher, um on Jimmy Kimmel. What's uh, his name? Uh, John John Bernthal. Yeah, John Bernthal. And he's talking about how he's kind of a method actor. And he's like, I know that sounds pretentious, but Jimmy Kimmel's like, Oh, what's that like with like a small child like a, like having a family? He's like, It's real hard. 
being being Frank <laughs> Castle all the time, but having a family is extremely difficult because that's the opposite of what Frank Castle has. <laughs> that's why he's what he is. And, he doesn't and have that. Yeah. He's like, well, before I came out, I asked my three year old son who he likes more, Punisher or Daredevil, and he says Daredevil. So there's that. <laughs> Damn. Well, good interview. I mean, I would hope. I would hope so. If he's son like Punisher more, I might be a little bit concerned. <laughs> yeah. I relate to him, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I'd be freaked out if my kid related to Daredevil too. Daredevil's a, f- a nutcase. Yeah, but at least he's a good guy. Punisher's a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's not a good guy. <laughs> Bonham. Bonham. <laughs> the Bonham. big dog. Bonham. <laughs> It's my yard, Sean. Oh, God. Actually, now that I think about it, I'd be way more pissed if my kid said his favorite was Roman Reigns. Like, <laughs> if he relates to Roman Reigns, we have a big time problem. Disown. Like stop doing that. I hate that. He's doing the, for, well, for those, one the one person who's <laughs> listening who watches wrestling as well, he's doing the Roman Reigns. Superman. I'm cocking crazy. my fist, fuckers. <laughs> what is this, Yu Yu Hakusho? Let's move on. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, so my pals pulls for the upcoming week are Batman 30, uh, which is the War of Jokes and Riddles is still going on. It's been great. Um, I've talked about it before. It's really good stuff. Um, it's near nearing the end, so worth worth your while. And Darth Vader 5, which has been a big surprise for me, actually. Uh, so Darth Vader by Kieran Gillen uh, and Salvador La Roca ended. Earlier this year, and it was it was a solid series. Um, I really liked what Kieran did with that book, uh, and so I wasn't really looking forward to a reboot. But this has been it's been really good. Uh, Charles Soule, he just um, he's just been nailing it. Honestly, as far as like having the opportunity to tell the first story after um, Revenge of the Sith, so this is Darth Vader right after. He becomes Darth Vader. And that's unexplored territory. So it's really cool to get to see stories from that perspective. And how he gets his first lightsaber. His first battle with a Jedi after he becomes Darth Vader. And what that experience is like. Uh, so it's really it's really good stuff. Um, worth checking out. Padme, I don't like the sand. It's coarse and rough on my skin. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Darth Vader's always in his outfit. He doesn't know what sand feels like anymore. Now this is pod racing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. (laughs) We need to we need to do the news because this is just this is just getting ridiculous. Uh, so we're going to start with DC uh, because there's been a lot of Joker movie talk. Lots and lots of Joker movie talk. Uh, probably the movie that everyone is most upset that is happening. Uh, but it's happening and nothing's going to stop it. And a lot of people are talking about it. So first we're going to start with a rumor about what the Joker movie will be. And I love this because it, this this article is from CBR.com and the the headline is <clears throat> Rumor, Joker origin movie will be super dark and real. 
I just I just love that. Uh, and so basically, uh, on the Joe Rogan uh, podcast, um, MMA fighter and actor Brendan Schaub was on it, and he discussed the project. So the quote is the following quotes from him. <clears throat> My boy Todd Feldman put this together with Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips is the uh, the director, I believe. <clears throat> it's dark. It's like a dark Joker. As a kid, he had a permanent smile, and everyone made fun of him. It's like on the streets of Brooklyn. It's super dark and real. So no, uh, <laughs> that all sounds bad. I hope he's just dumb. So. For context, Todd Feldman is uh, is the agent of Todd Phillips, and Phillips is writing the Joker movie. Oh, boy. Um, so, I don't know if Brendan knows anything about it or what, but if Todd Feldman is, is his friend and he's talked to him about it, then I guess he would have some kind of inside information, but um, that sounds awful. <laughs> Uh, everything about that sounds terrible. Yeah. Granted, you know, it's super dark and real. Is This is coming from a guy who, you know, whatever. Ta- this isn't in his wheelhouse, right? Yeah, I mean, like, but, super dark and real is, like, okay. Like, that's... Yeah. Yeah, that's not surprising. That's, like, supposed to be the DCU's MO, right? Fine. What happened? I blacked out for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I think this movie felt like a fork in the brain. Fork, Fork in the, the brain. brain. Fork, Fork in the brain. brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Are you okay? <laughs> I don't know what happened. Are we still talking about Pals Pulls? No, unfortunately we're not. Oh, I feel so damaged. <laughs> I, I feel this need to put a smile on my face. Oh my god. You remove the smile from my face. So <laughs> there's that. Um, in addition to that piece, though, there's been the <clears throat> rumor that Warner wants Leonardo DiCaprio to star as Joker in this Joker movie. Now, this should come as a surprise to nobody because I feel like every other comic book movie that comes out, there's some role for Leo in it, right? Everybody wants to get him. And DC in particular has been pursuing him. They wanted him to play the Riddler at some point um, in The Dark Knight Rises. So he's been attached loosely, rumor-wise, to uh, various properties in this realm over the years. Especially as these movies have gotten more popular. Um, And so allegedly... Warner Brothers is is looking for him to play the Joker, and this is coming from the Hollywood Reporter. Um, this project hasn't even been confirmed by the studio, so we've got all this coming <laughs> out about the movie, and the studio hasn't even like said definitively that it's happening. Um, but according to the Hollywood Reporter, Warner Brothers wants DiCaprio or quote unquote another A lister to play the Joker as quote unquote a gritty crime boss. In a Scorsese-esque Gotham underworld, so that's that I like. Fine, yeah, that's that's fine. Like that sounds um, great if it actually materializes into that. Should be just Joe Pesci. Oh my god, that at first that sounds like a joke, but then I thought about it and I'm like, that could be amazing. What do you think? I'm yeah. funny, funny like a clown, funny. <laughs> I'd, I'd watch Joe Pesci be the Joker. <laughs> 
What's wrong, you fucking asshole? <laughs> you think I'm funny? Because I dress up like a clown! I'll blow your fucking brains out! That's a laugh! <laughs> oh my god, can we get Marissa Tomei to be Harley Quinn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, not that I have any control over that, but yeah. Are you sure? I thought we figured out that they watch our show and steal your ideas, Sean. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> um, but if that were the case, this movie wouldn't be being made. Anyway, uh, so CBR then posted an article the same day um, countering the article that came from The Hollywood Reporter um, and saying this is the article. This is in the article. According to an insider, the suggestion that DiCaprio is going to play the Joker is pretty much false. The site notes that it's unlikely DiCaprio would take the role, while the mere prospect of having multiple Jokers has reportedly gone over poorly with Suicide Squad's Joker, Jared Leto. Okay, so first of all, Scorsese being attached is allegedly done to lure Leonardo DiCaprio to the project because they've worked together a couple of times. Um, A bunch. Right. Yeah, and so number one, that that sounds completely reasonable. That's not out of the realm of possibility at, at all. That Warner Brothers would directly do that. But even if, like, having Martin Scorsese attached to this project is still it's still having Martin Scorsese attached to the project, whether you get DiCaprio or not. So I don't really understand <clears throat> debunking this. Because, first of all, I don't see how you really could. This is not anything that's, like, even formally announced. And second of all, the idea of them wanting to get Leo for this role is, like, of course they want him. If they could get Leonardo DiCaprio, of course they would want him. That That's, you know, like, that's common sense. So, I don't think, I don't think you can debunk or not debunk this. I think this is just one of those things that's, like, yeah, they want him. If they can get him, they'll say yes. But will they? No, of course they won't. That's my interpretation, anyway. Unless, unless Leo is truly damaged. <laughs> oh my god! So, to give my hottest of takes, this movie could be bad. <laughs> See, I don't know, man. Like for me, I know I was like real, really hard against this um, when they announced it, and I'm still not optimistic about it but like that pitch that sean just read right like that could be cool that could actually be good a like phrase it another way (laughs) okay to say that there would be like a scorsese style under like criminal underground movie in gotham that's about the joker you know starring leonardo dicaprio or some other a-list actor like that is actually a project I might be interested in if it actually materializes and it's all those pieces coming together, you know? But is it actually going to and, you know, who are they actually going to land remains to be seen, right? Like, we don't even know if this is actually happening. Uh, all I know is Leonardo DiCaprio smells his own farts and he probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> I don't know, man. He won his Oscar. Like, he can take the, you know superhero movie role now he takes himself way too seriously for not being that great of an actor feel what the hot takes over here uh i I like his approach in that he tries to do films that are different um i think that's pretty cool whether or not you think he's a good actor i i do but um i I just like i like the kinds of films that he makes 
I don't know if a Joker movie is necessarily up his alley. I could see why somebody would think that it would be good a good role for him because of like the Wolf of Wall Street and you know what he was like in that movie. Um, but as far as the pitch is concerned, yeah, sure, it sounds good. Um, but as but if it's an origin movie, which is what this has been reported to be, that's that's not good. You know, like you can yeah, could you make a Joker origin movie that's good? Yes. Is it a good idea? No. no. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, we're not supposed to know his origin. And yeah, as Phil always says, things change when you do the movies. That's that's correct. But I think you lose what makes the Joker not the only thing, but one of the things that makes the Joker interesting when you nail down a real legitimate origin story for the character. Like I said, in 1989, they gave him an origin story. Yeah, I, I, I wish that they wouldn't do an origin story. I think it would be cool if it was just that, like the Scorsese-style underground criminal movie, but starring the Joker. Like, that is an idea I can get behind. As an origin, not so much, but, you know. I, I get the whole, like, Joker should be crazy and shouldn't have an origin story. He's got a million of them. Um, like, I don't think it matters that much. I can see why you would feel that way, and you're right. In Batman 1989, they did give him an origin story, and most people who saw that movie and then, you know, weren't exposed to tons of Joker media just assumed that is his origin story. They're like, um, oh yeah, he's Jack Napier. Right, exactly. Um, but that Joker existed for one movie, and there wasn't a ton of like it was a good it was a good uh interpretation but i would say that if you're talking about uh an interpretation that's been long lasting and really has stayed in the hearts and minds of fans i think on screen it, it, it's got to be heath ledger's and i think a big part of that is the fact that there's so much mystique surrounding that character i think i think consensus is split i think i think there's a lot of people who really love the 1989 movie yeah, I think who your Joker is really depends on how how old you are. Yeah, there, and there's a, there's a lot of people I still think of Caesar Romero's Joker is their guy. That's true. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not talking about like I'm not talking about which like I'm talking about the fact that the the Dark Knight's Joker has stayed with people. I know. I'm I'm saying Jack Nicholson says too though, just for like an older audience. I guess. Yeah, I think it's just because of – and, like, you know, I don't disagree with you. Like, I feel the same way you do, um, but I feel like that's yeah. a generational thing. I think it's because of how old we were when that movie came out versus how old, you know, people who are, like, in their 40s or, like, 30s now, how old they were when um, 89 Batman came out. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about that, like, Jack Nicholson being the best Joker ever and all that stuff. Yeah. But, but I'm, I'm with you where, like, I, I like the idea of – I mean, hell, that's a way they could easily fix this for me, right, is if this is a Joker origin movie, but they ape the thing of the Dark Knight of just, like, he tells his origin, like, three different times, something like that. We get multiple stories that explain why he is the way that he is, and we don't know. Like, as long as they – because I, I think that's totally fine interpretation. I like the idea that the Joker himself doesn't actually know his origin story, you know? Yeah, or – or you know, don't tell it at all. Like there's a there's a I agree. there's a great Joker comic that is is this it, it is this. Um, 
and Batman is this ever-present figure that only appears at the very end just to beat the Joker. And the story is about why does the Joker continue to come out of prison and do this even though he knows that Batman's just going to get him in the end. And that's just Because he's in love with Batman. Uh, well, the the story doesn't quite go there, but you know, um, but but like, I'd be co- I'd be cool with that too. <laughs> yeah, there. That's kind of I don't know. I think I think Joker works best when you're questioning things that you'll never get answers to, um, and he just rep- that that's such a representation of like senseless violence. You know, um, he he sure. is the manifestation of senseless violence, and I I love that. There's no answer. I'm sick of the Joker, though. Honestly, there's probably no other character in the entire like comic book medium that i am more sick of than the joker you know i'm so torn on him because in a lot of ways i agree with you but there are certain interpretations of him that i like so much you know like i i love him in the animated series i think he's great in the arkham games for the most part um you know, and it's like, and I, I think when used well, the Joker is one of the all-time great comic book villains, you know, and arguably the best. Sure. But there is such an oversaturation of him in our culture right now, and the fact that we're looking at the idea of having him in, like, three more movies in the next few years is, like, a little overwhelming. Yeah, there's a reason why he's popular, don't get me wrong. It's just that he's become a shitty meme at this point, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of him. I'm sick of Harley Quinn, too, but just not as much. I think... Uh, for me, with the Joker, I'm not I'm not sick of him. Uh, I just don't want I don't want more of the same exact portrayal that they're going with right now. Just because I think Jared Leto did a good job, but I didn't necessarily care for that interpretation of the character. And so, if we're going to see more of that, then I don't want that. But I think the Joker is a character who has actually aged very well with time because his um, the Dark Knight obviously phenomenal and then his more recent comic book appearances over the last 10 years since grant brought him back have been excellent i don't really like him in scott snyder's run hmm. well i don't know I, I i enjoyed him there but teach their own uh someone who's not tired of the joker at all though is the actor uh lakeith stanfield uh who oh yeah this is great cool. He played L in the Netflix live-action Death Note movie. Uh, I don't know anything about Death Note, so I don't know who L is. But um, he tweeted out to Scorsese that he would like to play the Joker. Um, obviously, this is unofficial because, you know, it's just a tweet. But who knows what's going on behind the scenes, right? Um, but, of course, he does have some acting chops. Um, he was in Get Out. Atlanta and straight out of Compton. So, you know, this Death Note thing might not be so good, but he's done other things that people did like. Um, now, of course, there is the fact that this guy's black. And so, uh, could you guys accept a black Joker? Sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah, to me, like. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Phil. No, I just. Yeah, why not? Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, it's just kind of like. I, I think I've said this on the show a couple of times when we've talked about this, but like I think unless unless race is central to a character, you know, and their like identity, you know, like you can't have like a white Luke Cage. That would be ridiculous. Um, I don't care about like race reversal um, unless it's like again, like if you're doing it in a way that's like 
you know, I know there was like this the thing with the whole Hellboy thing recently. I don't know if we're going to talk about that later, but um, I, I feel like that's the kind of thing that I'm totally ready for. We've seen a ton of different interpretations of the Joker as a white guy, and like race really is not does not come into him at all. You know, so if the actor's good and could do a good performance as the Joker, like that's fine with me. Kevin Michael Richardson playing him in the Batman. He's black. He did a good job. Man. That's um the Batman was like a voice acting thing you mean? Yeah, or the like cartoon. Oh, okay. Like was that was that like the third series of Batman cartoons? I'm just not sure which one you're talking about. The one uh, from the early two thousands where the Joker had dreads and didn't wear shoes and did got blood <laughs> out of fight. That one. I don't remember that show at all, but okay. I like yeah. that part of it, but uh, yeah, I'm thinking. I, I don't know what you, it came out around the same time as Batman Beyond. Okay. Uh, if you want to see people freak out, take a black guy and paint his face white and call him the white Joker. Face. <laughs> oh my god! Th- this will never happen, and it shouldn't happen because as much as people think they want this, when it does happen. The, the backlash would be extreme. Ooh, I didn't, like, think about that element of it. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Let people get angry. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't feel like that would... That, I mean... Please, no, Steppy! My Joker! <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about that. I, I, I Well, I'm, I'm saying I think that the reaction would come from uh, minorities... It would be all around because white people wouldn't want it because the Joker's white, and minorities wouldn't want it because you're taking a black person and painting their face white. So I just feel like I just feel like it would go over like a lead balloon. If he if he somehow did get the opportunity, I mean that's great for him, and I would love to see that in that sense. But um, I just don't think that I don't think that would happen. Um, but speaking of uh, race, and speaking of people from different races playing characters who don't reflect their actual race. We're going to talk about the recent Hellboy news. Um, So actor Ed Screen left Liongate's new Hellboy movie after fans' concerns that his role was being whitewashed came to his attention. This is pretty interesting. Um, So he got the role, and he was supposed to play Major Ben Damio. Uh, Hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, who is Japanese in the Hellboy comics. So, obviously, this dude's not Japanese. He's English um, and as white as they come. Uh, (laughs) So, (laughs) um, he he didn't know about this because he hadn't read Hellboy before. He's just an actor who took an opportunity that came his way. But then there was backlash and... Uh, people were not happy, and when it came to his attention, he released a statement about this. And um, a lot of people are very pleased with what he ultimately chose to do, which was to drop out of the film. So I'll read a little bit of his statement. Last week it was announced that I would be playing Major Ben Damio in the upcoming Hellboy reboot. I accepted the role unaware that the character in the original comics was of mixed Asian heritage. There has been intense conversation and understandable upset since that announcement, and I must do what I feel is right. Representation of ethnic diversity is important, especially to me 
as I have a mixed heritage family. It is our responsibility to make moral, moral decisions in difficult times and to give voice to inclusivity. It is my hope that one day these discussions will become less necessary and that we can help make equal representation in the arts a reality. I'm sad to leave Hellboy, but if this, is, if this decision brings us closer to that day, it is worth it. I hope it makes a difference. So what do you guys think? I mean, I have a lot of respect for him. You know, I think that's a really principled uh, move to make. You know, he's giving up an opportunity to play a big role in what could be a you know a major movie franchise, um, for that matter. And money. If it's successful. Yeah, it's lots of that. That's what I mean, right? Because it's like, not only is that exposure, it's like if that became a trilogy and his characters in all three movies, that's several checks he's giving up. And if it's really popular, it's residuals, it's action, you know, there's like all these other things he could be making more money from possibly that he's giving up on as well um, by not taking this role. And I think uh, I don't it doesn't seem like this is motivated by the backlash. It seems very genuine. Yeah. And uh, I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah, it's 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 a cool thing to do. Uh, hats off to him. He didn't have to do it, honestly. So the fact that he did do it is pretty cool. I agree. Uh, I think I think this is the first time, at least that I can remember, where an actor got a role and then stepped down because of this issue. Um, and I commend him for it. That's money that's not going to be in his pocket now because he made this choice. Uh, but I think as a human, this is probably, you know, it's a it's a good decision. It'll make it makes him look good, and he's standing for something, and that's cool. That's always good, um, and it's good that people are standing up to Hollywood because this is BS, right? Like, why why can't there are plenty of of Asian actors out there that are super talented that. There's no reason you couldn't cast one of them for this role. Now I don't know this character from the comics, so I can't say I can't sit here and say who I think would have been better for the role than this guy. Um, but but it's irrelevant. It shouldn't be a white person. Yeah, exa- exactly. You know, it's it's totally it. There's like, and I've seen a lot of people making a false equivalency uh, because. I forget the name of the actress, but there's a black woman who's playing a central character that's originally a white Irish woman in the original, um, in the comics. And people are saying, well, why isn't she being called out? Like, why isn't this the same thing? And it's like, well, you know, it's like, frankly, it's different when you take a role away from a white person to give it to someone else because there is a representation issue in Hollywood, you know? And where, like, there are plenty of great Asian actors and not a lot of roles for them, don't give one away to a white person, you know? It's like... It's an easy choice. Yeah, there's, Iron Fist yeah. should be Asian. Uh, there's also there's also the uh, element that when a character is a minority in comics or in in any medium, that tends to be an essential part of them. Uh, typically speaking, and this is unfortunate, but typically speaking, when a character is a minority, they're not allowed to just be a person. There's always something about them that tethers them directly to their you know their race and their 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 ethnicity and while i would personally like to see a time where that's not necessarily true um because it's not true for white characters um that is the way it is right now and so you can't you it's not as simple as oh well this character is japanese all right well i'm just gonna make them white now because there's something about that character that you're altering in order to do that it's almost always the case, in my experience, anyway. Um, 
And so, yeah, that's why it's not a good move. And as far as actors, like, there's, like, Ken Lung from, uh, he's playing Karnak in The Inhumans. That's a guy who's been around for a long time. Traditionally, yes, a, a television actor, but why not get him? Like, there's plenty of people you could grab before you look at a white guy for a role for a character that's Japanese. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, we could, like, you know, Steven Yun, yeah. who was Glenn in The Walking Dead, like, he's got name recognition and everyone knows who he is. He's, like, he's a, you know, right now. a big name or, now. How, yeah. how about Ken Jung from The Hangover? <laughs> how about not? Can you imagine that was, like, his first really serious role and he just, like, fucking nails it? <laughs> like, it's, like, he's just, like, incredible. Like, <laughs> I love him, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily see him in, as a serious actor, but... Hey, Paul Rudd's Ant-Man, right? On this well, Paul same... Rudd's the best of all time. Uh, at what? Everything. Oh. Uh, <laughs> on this same topic, not the topic of Paul Rudd, but uh, white whitewashing <laughs> in Hollywood, uh, Chloe Bennett, um, who's on Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., she plays Daisy on that show, uh, she recently um, was attacked, actually, on social media because... Um, her original last name is not Bennett. Um, she had to change her last name because her, her real last name is is Wang. Uh, she had to change it because um, she couldn't get opportunities in Hollywood with that last name. Uh, and that's that's really, really sad. Um, and, and, and I just want to read her quote. The first audition I went on after I changed my name, I got booked. So that's a pretty clear little snippet of how Hollywood works. That's that's heavy. Um, she also had this to say when she was under attack. Changing my last name doesn't change the fact that my blood is half Chinese, that I lived in China, speak Mandarin, or that I was culturally raised both American and Chinese. It means I had to pay my rent, and Hollywood is racist and wouldn't cast me with a last name that made them uncomfortable. I don't get that. I mean, that's, that's like a very real thing, man. You know, it's like, that's, and that doesn't, that's not new, you know, and that's not exclusive to, uh, you know, like think about how many Jewish writers did that, you know, in the early yeah. days of Hollywood and stuff like that. And, you know, that's a very common thing, you know, hell dude, like when, when I was younger and, you know, I like told my dad I wanted to be a creative person. He was like, well, you know, if you ever like feel like you need to change your last name to sound like less, you know, like Italian or whatever. So it sounds a little more white, like. You know, I wouldn't have a problem wow. with that. I was like so – I was floored by that. You know, and I was like I would never do that. And it's like, well, you know, if you find that that's a thing you need to do, like I was just like Jesus. Yeah. Hollywood is a pretty shitty place. Yeah. Man, I, I've, I've thought about that in the past as well. Maybe I'll uh, change my last name to Casey. <laughs> I get what you're saying. You're proposing. <laughs> Your answer is I do. Oh my god! I do the web. Oh, <laughs> the first comics pals near marriage. Um, I'm taking back my uh, offer to marry you, though, because you made. I'm joke. hyphenating. All right, uh, let's let's shift gears here a little bit uh, and talk about the Titans TV show because Dick Grayson has been found. Um, actor Brenton Thwaites, 
who appeared in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, Dead Men Tell No Tales. I think that's the most recent one. I can't believe they're still making those, but they are. Oh, um, you be the Black Pearl. <laughs> uh, so this, this actor's been cast as Robin, or I should say as Nightwing, um, for the show. This, of course, being the... The show that will debut on the DC Comics branded digital service, um, which everyone is looking forward to, not really. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is a big, this is a big deal because this is the first Dick Grayson that we're getting in a live action setting, and hopefully, this guy has the chops to carry the role. I do want to read a couple of quotes here. Um, This is coming from Jeff Johns, who had this to say about the actor and about the casting. Dick Grayson is one of the most important and iconic heroes in the DC Universe, and it wasn't easy to find him, but we have. Brenton has the emotional depth, heart, danger, and physical presence of Batman's former protege and the Titans' future leader. We're extremely lucky he's chosen to bring his talents to this project and this character. What do you guys think about this? Do you have anything? So he's playing... He's playing John Robin Blake. <laughs> no. I was gonna say I love that they just they they said he has the danger. Yeah, yeah. To bring to the character, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> you wouldn't want to run to this guy in a dark alley. It's a clear reference to Breaking Bad. <laughs> Walter White was the danger. This guy's the oh, danger. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, he's the danger. All right. Yeah. Come on. All right. Checks out. Yeah, whatever. I mean, we'll see what happens, right? I mean, unless somebody pirates it. I don't know if any of us are going to watch this show. Wait, pirates? Was... Captain <laughs> Jack Sparrow. The fact that you even know what that what their, what that theme song is. Like, I have no... Oh I've never seen a Pirates Dude. movie. What? Yeah. Oh my god, Sean tries! Definitely not. Dude, it's a John Williams joint. He's the fucking man. John Williams is the man, but pirates are not. I don't like pirates. I know you're a fucking pirate hater. Yep, I'm not a fan. So, Tweet it, Sean. Hashtag pirate hater. I am a pirate hater. Guys, tweet at Sean Soapbox and tell him how much you like pirates. Don't. I mean, do. Yeah, do. Do. Go ahead. I don't care. <laughs> do, do, do. Do or don't. Whatever. All right, actually, do or you know what? Just send. Just start a thread and send him a bunch of gifts from pirates movies. That would be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. You heard the man. So, yeah, it's cool that John Robin Blake is in this. I really, you know what? Never mind. I was gonna go into a whole like Dark Knight Rises thing, but let's just what? Well, that's what I'm referencing. Yeah, yeah. He's re- he's referencing um, how John Blake, the character from yeah, right. Sorry. Get with it. Whoosh! Right over my head. Do um, you love that movie? No, I hate that movie because it's garbage. Mm. Hot takes. Another sidebar here, but shout out to Matt Murphy who bashed The Dark Knight forever and then finally watched the movie in completion. I was like, oh, this is a good movie. That should be <laughs> yeah. on the that should be one of the, the news topics because that's like unbelievable. Headline Man. this week, Matt Murphy, a dork. A fool. 
<laughs> a fool. Oh my god. I love you, man. But how do you not watch The Dark Knight for all these years and hate on it? And now you watch and you want to say it's good. Like, welcome to 2017, dude. <laughs> welcome to 2008. Everyone else likes this movie, too. Yeah. Jesus. Sorry, I didn't want to drag you, but Phil brought it up. Yeah, I was the one that was already dragging you by the balls. <laughs> the ball? Okay. That's a Matt Murphy um, thing. Oh. So, uh, in other oh. news that will annoy me, uh, <laughs> X-Men director Simon Kinberg had some things to say about the X-Men Dark Phoenix film, uh, which is his is first. It's, it's going to be his directorial debut, which is awfully exciting. Um, but he had to say this in uh, the latest issue of Total Film. Kinberg said that he must, quote-unquote, find a way to ground it so it's not too intergalactic. And he stressed that X-Men films are, quote-unquote, human and emotional. Now, that's frustrating on many levels, because first of all, for anyone who is unfamiliar with the X-Men Dark Phoenix saga from the comic books, uh, it's, a, it's a saga that takes place primarily in space. And <laughs> <laughs> We need to ground it and make it less focused on the space. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, like, I, I guess... I guess I understand on some level why maybe you wouldn't want the whole story to take place in space, but um, I don't know. There's a movie called Guardians of the Galaxy that did moderately well, and it took place exclusively in space. Star Wars! There's also a movie called Star Wars that's kind of uh, notable. Uh, yeah, but you know what, guys? It's just like I feel like the problem with with movies that are like in space is you know it's just like I just can't relate to any of the characters because they're not like on Earth, you know? Yeah, right. It's just like I don't know. It's like whatever Jedi's and whatever. The only way I yeah. think I could ever relate to a space movie is if they put a talking raccoon in it. <laughs> that, all or bets a, are off. Yeah, or a magic tree. Yeah. I guess. I can't comprehend this. Stars? <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> what What's really bewildering to me uh, is that X-Men Age of Apocalypse shows Jean Grey using her Phoenix powers, right? But we don't know where she got the Phoenix from. So I'm wondering if this is an X3, like, uh, hey... It's actually just a part of her, like a split personality type thing, because uh, that'd be stupid. Or if they're going to show some kind of flashback to where she got the Phoenix, but Lalandra and the Shi'ar are a part of this movie. What the fuck? So, so because of that, there has to be some way that Jean Grey got the Phoenix, but they neglected to show us that. So uh, I'm a little bit lost as to what they're actually doing. Maybe she lives in Arizona. I don't get that. Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix. <laughs> Awful. Awful. <laughs> I, uh, can the, whatever. Maybe this will be the movie that's so bad that they lose that they just lose interest in making X-Men I movies. hope not. Jeez. See, I can't feel that way. Because this is called Dark Phoenix. It has to be good for me. So I have to, I have to look forward to this um, with bated breath. I'm obligated I have to because it's 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 the Phoenix and and for me 
the Age of Apocalypse interpretation, or I'm sorry, it was called Apocalypse, not Age of Apocalypse, because why would you name it something cool? Um, that interpretation of Jean Grey, I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, and so I'm really hopeful that they do a good job with her in the next film, but I don't know why, because they're probably not going to. Uh, but that's me, sucker. Uh, do you guys have any? That's me, so- Sean the Sucker Bartley. Yep. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, if they make it like Days of Future Past or First Class or Logan or Wolverine, which are all, are, are all of varying levels of quality, but if it's anything like any of those movies, I mean, there's something to look forward to. But if it's anything like Apocalypse, which it feels like it's going to be, then Jesus, Lou. The quote Kale. But here's the thing. Those movies are there's there's one unifying factor, especially with with first class. Those movies and and they don't want to be X-Men movies. All the X-Men movies that have been made, except for Logan and Deadpool, don't want to be X-Men movies. And Dark, the Dark Phoenix story is the most X-Men story that there is. You can't do Dark Phoenix and say, it's Dark Phoenix, but we're not going to space. It's Dark Phoenix, but Phoenix is never going to appear as, you know, the bird itself. You can't, you can't do it. It doesn't work. It's not the same thing. Logan feels as much like an X-Men movie as X-Men 1 and 2 or Wolverine or, like, it... It, it feels in line with those other films in a, just a, a more well-made way. Uh, I, I totally disagree. Because Logan Logan represents the character properly. He, th- like every other X-Men movie, you don't even see blood when he, when he, when he pulls out his, um, his claws. Well, a lot of X-Men and, comics and you don't either. Uh, understood. But I, I, like, I, I, I get... That the movies are PG thirteen, and so they have to draw the line. But those movies don't feel like Wolf. That doesn't feel like Wolverine to me, because the whole purpose of Wolverine is that he's an animal trying to like he's he's got these animalistic qualities, and that does not come across in those movies. He's always neutered. The only movie where I felt like I was actually watching the real Wolverine is the Logan movie. From the way he the way he acts, his personality. Um, and t- to the way he fights, the action feels true to the character. His personality feels true to the character, and in every other movie, that's not the case. Uh, I disagree, but I'm not gonna go down this road because it's a long sequitur. <laughs> I feel like we went down this road for Logan too. Yeah, I, I don't know that I agree with that either. But um, I-, I I agree with the initial point you made about. I think that the problem with the Fox X-Men movies is that a lot of them seem embarrassed by the source material, you know, and that they, they, not even necessarily that I, that they don't want to be X-Men movies, but they don't want to be like comic book movies, you know, they want to take the X-Men and make them like, you know, more grounded or more, you know, like based in reality or whatever. To me, that's not a bad thing. I think it is though, because a big problem of it or that I see with it is that I feel like it loses a lot of what makes the X-Men special, which is like the, we've been down this road so much. Sure. I mean, you don't have to agree. I'm just saying, you know, um, I think bombast is, is part of the X-Men. Of course. That said, 
if this movie is anything like Apocalypse, that's the main thing. And Apocalypse was so schlock. I saw it for the first time with Kale in my apartment a few months ago. And the first half of it was decent, like the way, because like they built a really meaningful story with Magneto and Professor Xavier. Magneto's family is murdered. Like you, there, there's, there's a genuine emotional feel pull to it. But then it just gets all schlock, B-mores, uh, and nothing matters. In fact, the whole plot of Apocalypse's motivation isn't there. It really, it, I want to reshape the world! Like, <laughs> oh boy. If this movie's anything like that, then there's nothing to be excited for. Yeah. That's, that, that is absolutely accurate. Uh, but it remains to be seen. And maybe I'll be surprised. Probably not. But who knows? Uh, so let's talk about, let's talk about Netflix. Let's talk about Marvel and Netflix, because there's been quite a bit of news this week, um, regarding what's going on over there. And we'll start off with Luke Cage news, because we've got some, we've got, we've got a screen grab, uh, from, this is coming from Entertainment Weekly, of Misty Knight with her new arm. So for those of you who, uh, have seen Defenders, uh, you'll know, and if you if you haven't, and this is a spoiler for you, I'm sorry. You should probably skip ahead. Um, but she lost her arm on the show, the very last episode, or maybe it was the episode before last. Okay. No, you're right. Um, and so we speculated a lot on the Defenders episode regarding when she would get her new arm and where she would first appear. And now it looks like we have and how our many answer. robot hand jobs? Probably zero point zero. Um, Moving yeah. right along, um, but. <laughs> So she lost her arm, and we speculated about where she would first appear and how she would get it. And it looks like we now know that she will appear in Luke Cage first, but the question still remains as to how she will get it. Uh, have you guys gotten a chance to see this and what it looks like? Yeah, it looks cool. I thought it was okay. Um, I like the this more cybernetic-looking arm from the comics more than this. It's kind of weird, but... I, I feel like this gives her somewhere to go. You know, like, I feel like starting with something that seems a little more like a realistic prosthetic, but just a little bit souped up is cool um, because I feel like we'll probably see her evolve to the arm that we're more familiar with. You know, like maybe there'll be some crossover with, um, I forget the, the guy's civilian name, but the guy who's Gladiator, the one Melvin who, um, yeah, Melvin Potter, the guy who makes Daredevil's suit. And helps him out. Like I could see them bringing in a connection with a character like him, maybe, and having her get like her upgraded, more you know, souped up bionic arm uh, later on. And um, I think that could be cool. Yeah, Phil. Yeah, it it's cool. <laughs> All right, um, hot takes, yeah. baby. Now this maybe is more up your alley, Phil, because it looks like. We now know at least one of the villains that will appear uh, during Daredevil Season 3. Um, so the hashtag show um, posted uh, about what it looks like Netflix is looking for in an actor who would play a recurring character on the show. And so here's the breakdown. Uh, the character's name is Steve. They'd be 28 through 35 years old. And five nine through six one, uh, the ethnicity is open, and they're looking for an athletic but socially awkward FBI agent 
needs structure and rules to suppress the darkness inside himself. Athletic with medium build, responsible and resourceful, hair trigger temper, and he would be a series regular. So this describes the character Sin Eater. Uh, now, granted, that character was introduced in a Spider-Man comic book, um, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number 107 to be exact, but that doesn't matter because, you know, Kingpin um, appeared and is a regular on Daredevil. So what what do you guys think about potentially getting Sin Eater as a character here? I, like, I don't have a problem with it, but I'm a little disappointed that, because I want it to be Bullseye. You know, we talked about that a lot um i feel like i'm ready for that storyline i feel like it's appropriate time to introduce him um so i mean it's not impossible for us to get more than one villain or more than one arc that's going on at a time what storyline uh, what what's which storyline what do you mean which storyline you said you're ready for that storyline Oh, I just mean like I'm ready for them to introduce him as a character and have Matt and him go head to head. Gotcha. Um, I mean, we've speculated. I don't want to like go too much into it because we literally talk about this in the Defenders thing about what our hopes are for season three. Um, but I, you know, I, yeah, like it's going to be fine. I'm sure this will be good, you know, and I'm sure I'll be excited for it when it happens. But like it as an announcement right now doesn't really do much for me. Um. I don't think the introduction of this vague character means he'll be a central villain of the season necessarily. Um, I'm not even sure how the Sin Eater would manifest in in the series, for that matter. Um, I don't know. Uh, Daredevil always delivers, uh, so I have no doubts that it will be good either way. Um, yeah, that's really it. I actually think that um, Sin- what's the senator's deal? So basically, he like he's like a a former Shield agent who he he, he basically he thinks that the world is sinful and he thinks that people are corrupt and that they're full of it and he wants to uh, <laughs> he wants to cleanse the world of sin. Um, he himself, though, obviously is the one who's got the big problem. Uh, he, he typically seeks out like priests and cops and lawyers and people like that to uh, to go after. Um, but he's the one with the issue. I think that that is a perfect villain for Daredevil. Just because I think you can make the argument that Daredevil's similar. Daredevil, Daredevil acts with the way he does because he believes in rules and law. If he didn't, then he would be more akin to the Punisher, or you could argue Sin Eater. Um, but his his Christian background uh, and the fact that he's a lawyer and believes in the rule of law keeps him from being a murderer and this kind of person. Thematically, this really toes the line with season one and two yes. of the duality of Murdoch and Daredevil and the juxtaposition of him being one bad day from being Wilson Fisk or Frank Castle or <clears throat> Stick or Elektra. Right. So. So I think it. I think it yeah. works. Yeah, no, it definitely works. But I mean, I I agree with your your point about Bullseye. And frankly, though, I don't think I don't think that this negates Bullseye by any means. Um, That's true. I mean, they could always introduce him and make him more prominent in a later season or something. Or Sin Eater just won't have like a, a massive role. You know, like he could he could be a character that that does appear that is a villain. 
um, but isn't the central antagonist, similar to what Punisher was in season two. Sure, sure, yeah. Or even like you know someone like Nobu in season yeah. one. Ex- exactly right. Yeah. Um. So moving along, uh, we still don't have a premiere date for Punisher, uh, but Netflix has done something a little fun to reveal the names of the episodes of the Punisher series. So on the Punisher's Twitter account, uh, Netflix tweeted 13 consecutive tweets in Morse code without any context. Um, and when <laughs> when people figured out what the tweets meant, what the Morse code was, uh, they still didn't mean anything, but when you put them together uh, in, I mean, the order, who knows, but um, when you put them together, it's pretty clear that these are the names of the episodes for the show. Um, and I'm not going to read the names, but they are interesting. You can check them out for yourself if you'd like. We'll have a link to the article in question from Polygon uh, on YouTube. But um, there's also released was a, um, a little teaser for the show. Uh, and it, it's it's nothing special. There's not a lot to it. it. It just reveals a few characters who will appear on the show and um, the Punisher logo. And then at the very end, it shows like what would be the date, but the, the month and the uh, day are obscured. So it looks like we're probably going to get an announcement really soon. But everybody believes it's going to be November. Hmm. Uh I, I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to this a lot. I think um, I think Punisher has an opportunity to be extremely good. Yeah, um, I agree. I know some people are now a little more cautiously optimistic because they feel Iron Fist and Defenders were both misses. Um, to me, I think Frank Castle is a real juicy character and there's something that you can really play with there. Yeah, and I think John Bernthal's proven that he can handle the role well. You know, I mean, I, there are some people who are not into him, but I I was really a fan of his portrayal of the character in Daredevil season two. So, and I think like unlike um, every other one of these like you know pre Defenders series and then the Defenders, they were all kind of like built with that bigger future for them in mind. Whereas Punisher literally just. It, from my understanding, anyway, correct me if I'm wrong, please, but um, only happened because of the popularity of the character and how well he was received. I'm not sure if that. I'm not sure about that. So let us know in the comments if I'm wrong, because I I thought that's the case, but I I could be misremembering that. Uh, at any rate, though, I think the biggest problem with the most recent def- um, Netflix offerings as it relates to the Marvel characters, for my money, has been the writing. Uh, I, I just think that the writing has been poor. And um, to me, we're going to talk about these shows later, but when you look at Daredevil and you look at Season 2 and Jessica Jones and even Luke Cage to an extent, there's a there's a consistency in quality on, on, in terms of the writing that is missing from Iron Fist specifically and defenders to an extent, and I'm not sure why, but the the writing crew on Daredevil is phenomenal, and hopefully Punisher has better writers on it. But I think that these shows live and die um, by who's writing them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree there. And the proof's in the pudding, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, You're not so different, you and I. Ugh. <laughs> you talk about on the nose, man. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. And, and, and before we jump into ranking the shows, I, I thought this was interesting. And so um, I, I want to share this with you guys. Uh, because Netflix has recently released some information about the viewing habits of the people who, who, who engage with Netflix. And they reveal some interesting things about how people watch these Marvel shows. Um, so this, this article is uh, coming from USA Today. Um, and it's interesting because according to this article, Jessica Jones is the show that most people start with when they start watching the, the Marvel Netflix shows. Um, so if, so here's how it goes. Uh, if you start watching the Netflix shows, chances are you start with Jessica Jones. If you watch Jessica Jones, you typically will go to Daredevil next, then Luke Cage then Iron Fist. But if you start with Luke Cage, you're most likely to watch Iron Fist next. Um, and then your progression path from there is whatever. Um, if you start with Daredevil first, then you're most likely to watch Jessica Jones next, and then Luke Cage, and then Iron Fist. So you'd watch them in order. Sure. Like a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> um if it, interestingly though, if you watch Stranger Things, you're most likely to watch Luke Cage first. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand that. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. Um, curious. Date is interesting. If you if you watch, uh, <laughs> if you watch Thirteen Reasons Why, Love, and The One Hundred, then you most likely watch Iron Fist first. What the hell? What? Yeah. Why? Something about Paul Russ makes you want to watch Finn Jones. <laughs> and of course, if you watched uh, Jessica Jones first, huh. then you were most likely to have also watched Friends, Master of None, and Orange is the New Black. See, that that follows more in my head at least. Mine as well, yeah. Yeah, right. I could see, I could see you going from Orange is the New Black to Jessica Jones first. You know, being like, oh... Another Netflix original, and like it's you know starring a, a woman. Like okay, cool, right? But like, yeah, that's the the thing with um, Iron Fist. Actually, I'm wondering if Finn Jones has anything to do with that because it was a lot of like uh, show. What were the shows again? It was Thirteen Reasons Why, Love, and Master of None. Okay, so I feel like those are all shows that would probably appeal to young women. I wonder if they oh. Except maybe Wait, Master sorry. of None. Master but... of None was Jessica Jones. Uh, it was it was thirteen oh, okay. reasons why love and the one hundred for Iron Fist. I don't know what the one hundred is, but those are all shows that I feel like appeal to young women. So I wonder if maybe they like are fans of Game of Thrones or something like that. Maybe there is that Finn Jones connection there. I really well. Wonder. The article states viewers who binged coming of age tales, which included those series that I listed, checked out Iron Fist. So I find that to be pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean that seems consistent. With the idea that it's like younger people, and the idea that Iron Fist is childish. <laughs> yeah, I mean he is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just a little, just a little interesting tidbit for you guys. Um, not sure what it means necessarily, but it's it's cool that Netflix has all that kind of information, and I wonder how much that plays into uh, their decision making as far as these shows is concerned. I'm sure a lot. 
So I, I know we keep saying that we're going to jump into the Marvel Netflix ranking stuff. But before we do that, I do want to uh, mention this. Because Inhumans has actually been released on IMAX screens. So anyone who wants to watch the first two episodes on IMAX can do so now. Um, and the reviews have been absolutely horrendous. What? No! <laughs> I thought it was going to be so good! <laughs> now, um, I don't take pleasure... And things not being good. Uh, this is pretty unfortunate. And I really wanted to see this. Um, they just released a trailer for the show. Um, on the same day as the release. September 1st. And in the trailer. You want to talk about infuriating. In the trailer. Medusa. Has a haircut. She's got a hair. She, her hair shorter than mine. <laughs> Yeah, what? they cut her hair. So they took her power away from her. It's awful. <laughs> That's funny. That is absolutely awful. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened before in the comics. I can't speak to that. But I've never seen her without her hair. And I think that that is totally stupid and takes away from the character. Um, but they did it because her wig looks god-awful. And everyone knows it. Um... But at any rate, let me get to some of the reviews that have been tweeted out from a number of people who just checked it out. So here we go. Lousy editing, cringe-worthy performances due to laughably on-the-nose dialogue, no tension whatsoever, pretentious slow-motion action scuppered by the limited budget, dramatic sequences which unintentionally had the audiences in stitches. That's a tweet. Uh... Not only is Hashtag Inhumans not worth paying to see early in IMAX, it's probably not worth watching for free in two weeks on ABC. Oh my god! <laughs> Brutal! It demands an immediate attachment to these characters that it hasn't earned. Why should I care about Bad Wig Lady or Hoofman? A third person <laughs> tweeted, Inhumans is like, watching, is like someone wanted to make Thor, but shitty. <laughs> You're lucky I have a mouthful of bread, otherwise I would have made a joke. Man. It's almost like you're doing a show or something, you piece of garbage. And here's a tweet. Here's a tweet from someone named Tom Buxton. What worked? The minuscule political intrigue in the opening scenes, the fantastical beats of the soundtrack, and a couple of gags. What didn't work? Everything else. Oh. oh my god. <laughs> Ruthless. Yeah, that's, that's pretty savage. These are fucking brutal. Uh, we recently did an episode where we talked about uh, what was up with the Inhumans and why the build of this show uh, has been different and the treatment of it has been so different from everything else that Marvel has done because they typically approach their stuff uh, with care and concern and everything they do is high quality this is a rare misstep for them but it's unbelievably bad according to all spectators so well you know it's curious a lot of people are smelling blood in the water here um i've seen a lot of people online saying you know what's up with marvel they've been so bad lately um the last two netflix shows aren't good their comics are bad this inhuman shit like People are saying, like, maybe the propeller is coming off the plane, so to speak. I'm not saying that's my opinion. I'm just saying that's what a lot of people are 
smelling smelling the blood as they say yeah that that's that's pretty stupid because um the marvel television shows have totally different constraints and they're not necessarily made by the exact same people scott buck would never touch a marvel movie um whereas he's the showrunner for two different marvel television shows you know there there you would never see a character look as bad as medusa does in a marvel movie like and and the marvel movies are all quality so i just don't i just don't see it in the same summer that we got defenders we also got spider-man homecoming which you know and guardians, and guardians of the galaxy, of the galaxy volume 2 too. earlier this exactly. year so you know it's like i won't i won't say that that um opinion is found you know unfounded because it's like we have talked about how marvel's comics have been on a pretty consistent downslope and we have seen the the machine stumble uh for the first notable time since agents of shield um so i get why people are saying that but i also feel like it's just like yeah it's easy to say that optically when there's like a few things that are recent but we also have these other two pretty major successes that came out this year as well i'm dying for somebody to actually come and present the Marvel comics that are overwhelm- like an overwhelming list of the books that are bad. A majority list of bad Marvel comics. It's not going to happen. The books are good. It's just that people don't want uh, Iron Man to be a black woman. Uh, and at the same time, they don't want Iron Man Tony Stark to come back. People don't know what they want. And they're not even reading the books. I want somebody who actually reads Marvel Comics to tell me that the Mighty Thor is a bad book, or that Miss Marvel is a bad book, or that Secret Empire is a bad book. Tell me that. No one can. Well, I have heard a lot of people say the Thor book isn't good. It, that's crazy. That's, that is crazy. The Mighty Thor is phenomenal, and it has been for a really long time. It's Jason Aaron. I haven't read it. I can't speak to it. I'm, just, I'm saying I've heard yeah. uh, negative reviews. That's that's unbelievable. Yeah, and I, I mean, maybe uh, to say that the quality of their books is in a bad spot is a wrong turn of phrase, but I mean, it, they're losing market share. Sure. You know? Um, so, like, that's, you know, those numbers don't lie. People are definitely less interested in Marvel Comics for some yeah. reason. But but it's, um, it, it, it has nothing to do with the actual quality of the work in those pages. Because those writers and those artists are doing phenomenal work. On at least, the, you know, the majority yeah. of the books. Because there are certainly, you know, some that we've raked over the coals as well. bad DC books. It's just that sure. the, the conversation around DC is better right now. But there's plenty of books by DC that suck. There's plenty of books by Marvel yeah, I mean, DC. Suck. Yeah, like DC was in the same position, like, you know, three years yeah. ago. So, it's like, you know, we'll see what yeah, happens. It's just chatter. Um, yeah. But in any event, let's talk about Netflix. Let's talk about – let's finally do our rankings. This is long, a long time coming. These are the definitive rankings coming from only three out of the five comics pals that will only be relevant until Punisher comes out. Um, but we're doing them, and we're excited to do them. We're the only three pals who have seen all of the Netflix seasons. True story. Yeah, so it's so like honestly, if we're doing like a real definitive ranking, like no offense, Marco and Kale don't deserve votes. They haven't watched all the shows. Also true. So, um, did you have a, a plan for how you wanted to actually do the ranking? Because like I had a thought on how we could like 
we can each do our own list and then like tally it in a certain way, you know, to like make the definitive ranking based on like averaging all of our shit together. Does that sound cool or? Uh, we could do that, but for me, I think it's funnier if it's just like, you know, a bullshit list we can just argue about between the three of us. Uh, oh, I mean, I want it to be that too. <laughs> you know, if you want to tally it up, tally it up. Sure. Yeah. Tally it up. I'll tie it up at the end. Yeah, just so we can see and we can comment on that. So what we're going to do is when you're placing your show, I want you to give an argument for why you've placed it where you are. And for the sake of this conversation, uh, because there are only five shows, Daredevil Season 1 and 2 are to be ranked separately because Daredevil has an unfair advantage. Okay, that's fair. Uh, It's the only show with two seasons, so... Um, we'll rank them separately. Um, Phil, why don't you go first? <laughs> okay. Number no! five. Wait. Six. Wait. Number, Number six. six. Yeah. The Defenders. <laughs> okay. All right. I Damn. think Defenders is the weakest uh, offering of the Netflix series. It's incohesive. There are things that are good. There are things like I, I like the characters, um, but certain characters are stronger than others in the Netflix in the De- in the Defender series. Um, all the Matt Murdock stuff, straight fire. Jessica Jones and Luke Cage stuff is good. Iron Fist stuff sucks. Um, and Sigourney Weaver stuff sucks. And the plot is uh, Dragon Bones thin. For more on my opinions on Defenders, you can check out our Defenders episode, but. I think it's the weakest installment of the six seasons total. Number one. The hell? Wait, no, no, no. You have to... Don't... No. You can't go Fine. from the bottom to the... the that's number, ridiculous. Right, number five, Jessica Jones. Oh. That's crazy to me. I like Jessica Jones, the character. I think... Uh, I think David Tennant does a good job. But there's this... The, the plot is thin. Um, it goes on too long. I lose interest very quickly for like four or five episodes until they bring it back around. Um, it's, there's not enough going on. And then there's not even enough of the of the thing that hooked me in the first episode, which is the mystery, the, the detective noir aspect of Jessica Jones. And some of that was prevalent in Defenders, which was nice, but... To me, I think Jessica Jones is the weakest of the individual Netflix series. Um, I think season two hopefully will be better. Um, but we'll see. Number four, Iron Fist. Uh, I, Iron Fist held my interest more than Jessica Jones did. Uh, you could say what you will about uh, Danny Rand as a character and how much of a dipshit he is. And believe me, I use that phrase uh, frequently in our Defenders review. But I think the series <laughs> itself was compelling. I liked it when he was in the mental institution. I think the antagonists are compelling. The Meachams are really good. I like Colleen Wing. I like Claire. I like Madame Gao. I think Bakudo is an interesting uh, uh, element to add to the series. I think Iron Fist is unfairly maligned as a series, frankly. Uh, Pete and I go into that in great detail in the Iron Fist review episode we did. But I think... Uh, Iron Fist is still pretty good. And mind you, I think all these shows are pretty good. I don't think any of them are bad. Even Defenders. Um, so number three? 
is yep. Luke Cage. Uh, to me, there is a clear power gap between Luke Cage and then Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, and Defenders. I think Luke Cage is really solid. A lot of people lose interest after. I mean, there's spoilers. If you listen to this, like watch, like if you're listening to this, you, know, you should have watched the show. Uh, a lot of people lose interest after Cottonmouth dies, and I, I get it. Cottonmouth is really fucking good. Um, oh, what's that actor's name? Oh, jeez. Um, oh man, I it's on the tip of my at, tongue. Look yeah, it up, yeah, and yeah. we'll keep going. Um, he's in Moonlight. Um, he's in. Um, he's gonna be in. True... Doesn't matter. We're gonna look up his name. Go he's ahead. in True Detective. I <laughs> know. Oh, I know. I'm just saying. Like I'm speaking to his quality. Oh, okay. Um, okay. He's gonna be in True Detective season three. Uh, he's a tremendous actor, and he kills it. But after he dies, I don't think it loses momentum. It just shifts gears. And for a lot of people, that's why they they malign Daredevil season two. I think is because after the plot shifts from being more Frank Castle oriented to being Electra and the Hand oriented, people uh, lose interest. But I don't think I, I think it's a it's a good uh, shift, and the attention moves from Cottonmouth to Mariah and Shades. And, of course, um, Diamondback. But I think the show's great. I really like the soundtrack. I think the story is really compelling. And to me, it's the, um, it's the best. Um, then... It's the best. That's, that's why right. I put it at number three. <laughs> um, then number two is Daredevil Season 2. Uh, that's another power gap. Okay. Because um, I think... Uh, as far as the Netflix shows go, um, both Daredevil seasons are on their own level from everything else. They're as far as adaptations of, of comic book properties go. I think they're as good as anything that's ever been made. Um, season two is just not as cohesive as season one, but it's still really good. All the Frank Castle stuff's really compelling. Episode three, where uh, lifted right from Punisher number three by Garth Ennis, is fucking dynamite. All the stuff with the Irish mafia. Um, and even everything with Electra in the hand, uh, it's really good. Um, Matt's relationship with Electra, I think, is really palpable and relatable. <laughs> uh, of course you would say uh, that. I like the way it ends. And, see, and the Defenders as a show really did a good job of kind of bridging what will be Daredevil Season 2 and 3. And then finally, the number one ranked show on my list is Daredevil Season 1. It's as good as anything... Marvel Studios has ever made. Uh, nothing will come close to the quality of that. Um, not even Winter Soldier or Civil War or anything. Daredevil Season 1 is on its own level. Um, the use of colors. Um, Matt's relationship with the priest. Uh, his inner turmoil of killing uh, Wilson Fisk, who's a fully realized human being and not a strawman cartoon character. Um, Wilson Fisk is a character staring at the white on the wall, just the emptiness um no it's 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 perfect it's a there's so much there to unpack yeah and so just to recap number one is daredevil season one number two is daredevil season two number three is luke cage number four is iron fist number five is jessica jones and number six is the defenders okay uh interesting interesting pete go ahead and do yours okay um for me the bottom is iron fist i don't think that's uh going to be a shock to anybody. I think I feel like most people feel that way. Um, I am also of the opinion that uh, Iron Fist is, as Phil put, an unfairly maligned show. I think Iron Fist is 
the weakest of the Netflix offerings, but I think when the vast when I think every other show that isn't Defenders is like, you know, above good, you know, flirting with greatness or excellent, um, that's a pretty high bar to live up to. And I think Danny is a unlikable character, Danny's a dipshit. He's the thing that drags that show down. But everything else around him is really good, you know? Um, his supporting cast is excellent. You know, Phil already touched on how great the Meachams are, and uh, Colleen's a great character. Uh, I really like their use of Claire Temple. So there's a lot to enjoy in Iron Fist, whether you like Danny or not. Um, and I, I personally am a fan of that show. But I think, you know, it's unquestionably the weakest of, of the Marvel Netflix offering. Um, and I don't think that's an unpopular opinion. Uh, next up for me is Defenders, where, um, you know, again, our Defenders review is live right now, so if you want to hear my full thoughts, um, you can go hear them there. I'm not going to go too much into, the, into it, but I think the plot of Defenders is weak overall. Uh, the villains are, are not, they don't stand up to the Defenders as a team um, as much as you kind of need them to, to make a team up like this really work. Um, but that being said, the character interactions are really good, and... Um, that I think saves the series for me, but there aren't enough of them. And the attention is kind of not placed enough anywhere. And I think that's one of the big things that show suffers from. Uh, next up for me is Luke Cage. Um, I am definitely a big fan of Luke Cage. I think uh, stylistically, it's one of the stronger shows. I think except for Daredevil, it probably has... Uh, one of the best uses of, of color. I think it has some of the most memorable action sequences and, um, you know, and fight scenes in general, uh, which is interesting because Luke is, like, almost never in danger, and the times when he is are actually when they're probably the least interesting to me. I think the uh, the scene of him pulling the car door off the wall and marching into the Fort Knox base is, like, one of the best sequences that they've done uh, in terms of um, just straight fight choreography. And um, I, I am of the opinion that the show definitely falls apart a little bit after the death of Cottonmouth, and that's why I rank it so low on my list. I think if Luke Cage maintained the quality that it sets up in its opening, um, I guess, six or seven episodes, whatever it is, uh, I think Luke Cage would probably be my second favorite series. But um, it just it just doesn't quite get there for me once we get to the whole introduction of Diamondback and everything, I really just felt like a lot of that felt shoehorned in. And the fact that there's kind of like, you like you say, Phil, right? Like the shift goes from Cottonmouth to Shades and Mariah and then to Diamondback. And I just feel like because there's so much shifting around, we don't ever get a character that feels as well realized or as imposing as Wilson Fisk did. And I think if Cottonmouth had been allowed to live the entire season, we might have hit that. Um, so that's kind of the, the show's big failing in my mind, but I love Mike Coulter and I think the supporting cast again was really strong for the most part. And, um, you know, again, I, I love the, the usage of Claire Temple in that series. And I think her and Mike have really good, uh, chemistry and, um, I'm definitely excited for more. Uh, next up for me is Daredevil season two. Sorry, just going to put my tally. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, I think Daredevil Season 2, I definitely buy into the criticism that I think the Electra uh, storyline kind of derails things 
in a very similar way to to um, the way that Jessica Jones kind of takes a detour, like Phil said, for like three or four episodes. I feel like that is what that storyline feels like to me in uh, in Daredevil. And as much as I really enjoy season two of Daredevil, I think that that pace getting killed to then pick up that storyline again a few episodes later is definitely what um, kneecaps that series for me. That being said, um, you know, I'm looking for things to criticize for a series I really enjoy. I am of the opinion that Daredevil Season 2 is the best um, pure comic book adaption that we've ever seen on film. And I'd like to qualify that by just explaining. I mean, like, obviously superhero movies and television, right, they are adapting comics. But I think Daredevil Season 2 feels a lot like a comic the way it's written because I think it trusts its viewers to have a sense of the world of daredevil and it like freely introduces new characters and new storylines and picks them up and lets them sit and comes back to them and though that doesn't always work to the show's benefit i think in a few cases it does really really well and um not to reiterate what phil you know brought up already but i do think that um the dynamic between daredevil and frank castle is um you know aside from the dynamic he has with Kingpin in the first season is probably the best antagonist we've seen in uh, at least the Marvel Netflix offerings. Um, and I'd probably argue the whole MCU just because there's such great moments between them and uh, they are so um, opposed, you know, because of their ideology uh, and they get a lot of play out of that, you know, and not just in recreating great moments from the comics, but also through, um, you know, original beats. So that's a great success in my mind. Uh, next up for me is Jessica Jones, which, um, you know, I, again, I've already kind of explained my criticisms for it. I think it does fall apart, because not fall apart, but it has that detour, again, that takes us away from the main storyline so that we can kind of, I feel like, fill out the, you know, episode order here. And the stuff that happens on the side isn't bad, but it definitely detracts from the story that I'm actually engaged in. Uh, I think Jessica Jones is really strong. I have a really, um, I think she's really strong as a character. You know, I've definitely a, a big fondness for her just as, you know, Jessica. And I think Kristen Ritter does a great job in portraying her. I think the thing I like the most about it is it feels the most different from any of the like straight MCU properties. Uh, it reminds me of what I like about Ant-Man and uh, Winter Soldier, which is that, yeah, they're superhero properties, but that feels like a heist movie, and you know, Winter Soldier feels like a spy movie. And I feel like um, while I don't get as much of the Nor detective stuff as I would like, uh, that flavor does a lot to make Jessica Jones feel fresh and just like a different, you know, pace than any of the other um, MCU properties overall. Not to mention having a female lead um, is obviously fresh in in and of itself. And I think, um, you know, David Tennant does a great job as the Purple Man. I feel like that storyline is uh, pretty well realized. And, um, you know, I I definitely walked away from it after my initial viewing, thinking that it was uh, a really strong competitor to Daredevil, though I do still think Daredevil is of higher quality. So then, obviously, that leaves Daredevil Season 1, which, um, again, I don't really feel like this is a... Uh, amazing, you know, like, revolutionary opinion here, but Daredevil Season 1 I think is exceptional. I think it succeeds on every single level. Uh, I think it has the most memorable fight choreography. I think it has the best villain. I think um, it gets the most mileage out of its supporting characters. I think 
you know, it's... I, I think it's the finest thing that Marvel's produced. I think it's the finest thing of the MCU. And I think it's arguably maybe my favorite um, just superhero adaption overall. I think it's, you know, like Phil said, it has an exceptional use of color and um, just it, it's brilliantly written, you know, and, and not like just in its dialogue, but also just the way that it, um, you know, presents Matt and Daredevil as these two separate lives that are constantly at odds with one another. And just, um, you know, the way that it plays with Matt's ideology, you know, him being a Catholic, you know, him struggling with the, you know, the devil within, as it were. All those things succeed on such a high level that um, it, it's hard for me to think that there will be something that competes with it, you know? And I think the fact that it came so out of left field and surprised me that it was so good uh, is something that I don't, I, like, that's where my expectations are now. You know, that's the bar. So something for something to come out and exceed that for me, I think it would really have to be pretty exceptional. Cool. Um, Hi, Sean. That was you. Uh, yeah. Just just yeah. so that we're you know that we're clear. Um, the actor who played Cottonmouth, his name is Mahir Shala Ali. Shala Ali. He's so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah, he's really talented. Um, so. Now for my rankings. Uh, at number six is the Defenders. Uh, I think that... Damn! I think that all the other shows and every season has a villain that is pretty good. And uh, Defenders is the only exception. Uh, the villain, the villains on Defenders are awful. Uh, the Hand is not really much of a threat to the Defenders at all. Um... And that makes it really frustrating to watch because the unison and the union of these heroes should be something grand and epic. And for me, it really wasn't. Uh, it was probably one of the bigger disappointments ever as far as me and, yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> as, as far as me anticipating something of this caliber, uh, I was very, very let down. I think that the performances are good from the people who you expect them to be good from. And then they're bad from the ones that, you know, you kind of expect to not get a lot out of. Uh, Iron Fist is just a black hole right now in the MCU. And <laughs> he really... He, it's fucking scathing. He, he drags out this show quite a bit. And uh, I think that it probably would have been better if he wasn't even on it. Um, and that's unfortunate because there's a lot of good stuff surrounding the show. Um, and a lot of great performances and a lot of great moments but as a whole it doesn't do what it's supposed to do uh so at number five is iron fist um i think iron fist at least has the meachums who make very good antagonists for the character even though at some times especially earlier on i didn't really like their motivations and i didn't believe them uh i think they grew a lot as characters and they became more and more interesting as the show went on um and i like madame gal and i like bakudo and all that good stuff pretty much echoing phil's sentiments uh as far as iron fist is concerned i just i just disagree as far as like overall i think i think the show's written badly i think it's really poorly written and i think that uh iron fist as a character doesn't work and um i just think i just think that the show has a lot of problems the only reason that it's not number six is because 
of the supporting cast and the Meachams specifically. Uh, but I think most of that show's just bad. Um, and then it's Luke Cage. Luke Cage is pretty good overall. Um, it has a good villain in Cottonmouth. I really like him as a character. That's pretty common, a common opinion. Mariah is a complex figure, um, which I, I enjoyed her character quite a bit. Um, and the political elements surrounding her and, and all that kind of stuff mm, and yeah. what that draws Luke Cage into. I really, really like Misty Knight. I'm a big fan of that character. I like Claire a lot. Um, as far as Luke, I like the way they changed him from the comic books. Uh, He's not exactly the same character. Uh, this character is more, more righteous um, than the comic version. I, like I say, I think in the Defenders review, I can't imagine this character being a member of the Heroes for Hire uh, just because he's so different. Um, and he has a singular focus. Whereas the comic book version, especially at the, around the same time, is focused on making money. Um, I like what they did with him. I think... Uh, he's a good character. I like the action on the show, especially some of the stuff they did between him and Diamondback. Uh, I didn't have a problem with Cottonmouth dying. I thought that was natural, and I like the shift in focus uh, to Diamondback. Uh, I thought that was something you had to address. And, uh, yeah, I, just, I think that show's solid, but, again, plagued by dialogue, weird dialogue problems that I don't really... I, I don't understand why those came up in the later shows, but uh, it's weird. Uh, and then... Next up is Jessica Jones. I really, really like Jessica Jones. I'm a big fan of that show. I don't agree that it has a lull, like a lot of people say, but I do agree that the nuke subplot takes away from the main story. I thought that was random and weird. Um, I mean, it, it, it random in the sense that, like, I don't see why it needed to be included, but in the story, it makes sense that it happens. It's just an odd occurrence. Uh it's just a weird yeah. detour. David Tennant as Kilgrave is phenomenal. He does a really excellent job. And obviously, Jessica Jones as a meditation on trauma uh, is excellent, especially from a, from a woman's perspective. We don't get a lot of that. And um, the only other show that I can think of that I have watched in recent memory that, that, that does deal with this is Scandal. And it doesn't do as good of a job as Jessica Jones does. Um, Kristen Ritter's performance is excellent. Uh, I loved her on Breaking Bad, but I didn't think much of her as an actress. This show really changed my opinion. Uh, this show... I agree there, yeah. yeah this show way. probably has the weakest supporting cast of all the other shows, but uh, that's okay because Jessica herself is such a strong character that she's her relationship with uh, Kilgrave manages to carry the show. And of course, Luke Cage's presence also helps anchor it, um, especially in the beginning. Um, so that's Jessica Jones. And then uh, next is Daredevil Season 1. I, oh yeah, Whoa. yeah. I all right, I, shaking things <laughs> up. I think Daredevil season one is is truly amazing. Um, most people had a bad opinion of Daredevil who don't read comics because of the movie, and so Daredevil had a lot, a lot more of an uphill battle than probably any of these other shows, and it succeeds in spades. Um, it takes a character in. Um, Daredevil, who most people don't care about. Most people see him as a cheap Batman, and it made him into what comic book fans understand to be a very complex, um, dark 
character who has real motivations that feel grounded in something that's human. Now, most of us are not going to go outside and start beating people up, but most of us can understand being very angry with the way that um, our lives turned out, with the way that the world works, uh, and wanting to be able to take justice into our own hands. And so that makes his relationship with Wilson Fisk uh, that much more interesting. Uh, I'm not going to go into like a breakdown of all that stuff and my thoughts on that because you guys both did that and you know we've wh- whatever we've talked about that stuff before. Um, I love the supporting cast. I like Foggy. I like um, Karen. I like Ben Urich a lot. It's a shame he died. That's probably one of the bigger problems I have with the season is that he died. I didn't think that was. I think that should have happened. Uh, but Wilson Fisk is great. He's a phenomenal character. They did a really great job with him. They added dimensions to him that are not all the way present and fleshed out in the comics. Um, but where they did add, they did great. And that's not always the case. I thank you um, for the compliments. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really impressed by how good that is. <laughs> so uh, with that, I'll move on to Daredevil Season 2. The reason why... I put this at the top and over season one is because I feel like it ups the ante. I'm always a fan of the expansion and of when things have to be taken to the next level. That's why I tend to prefer sequels. Uh, so for me, this is this is not really that weird that I prefer Daredevil season two. Um, it does everything Daredevil season one does, but better in my estimation. Uh, Punisher represents an extreme version of the uh, Daredevil Wilson Fisk dichotomy um i i love the punisher his his use in this show this is the best live action punisher that we have had um by a long shot i would say um john bernthal does a phenomenal job in presenting a character who is burdened by extreme pain and post-traumatic stress uh and plays it pitch perfect they don't joke about it which i hated in the original punisher movie how hit it was a joke you know and this is taken very seriously it's treated very seriously um and i love that they they, they're never shy from uh going all the way in terms of presenting his pain and presenting the monster that he is now you know um other shows if the show was on abc if the show was on a lot of other networks they wouldn't have been willing to do that and that's the strength of netflix um, Electra, I disagree that she was a problem in this series. I really liked what she was and what she represented. I thought um, her relationship with Matt was excellent, and I, I, I just think they did a great job with her. And of course, the hand and that expansion. That's why I love season two because it takes everything that you that you liked from season one, gives you more of that, and then adds more things to like. So. For me, it just all comes together. You get a Punisher story, which is excellent. You get a Daredevil Electra story, which is excellent. You get more Kingpin, which is excellent. And you get the hand. Like, there's what is there not to like? So, for me, that's why uh, Daredevil Season 2 is tops. All right. Um, Are you guys ready to hear the definitive list? All right. Okay, so the way I did it was, uh, since we had six shows, I, I used a six-point scale, right? So the lowest one on your list gets a one, the highest one on everyone's list gets a six. And then I just tallied the scores together. So what's the Definitive Comics Pals ranking? The Definitive Comics Pals ranking of the Netflix original series are 
Coming in at number six with four points, the defenders. Yeah. Yeah. Checks out. Not surprising. Sean and I both had him in the bottom. Yeah, I, and that's that's what really did it in. You know, I, I was thinking it would be Iron Fist, but um, yeah, all right, that 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 tracks. Uh, so coming in next at six points is of course Iron Fist. Uh, again, no surprise there. I don't think. Um, yeah. So here's the next one is is Luke Cage, which I was actually a little surprised down to ten. Um, but yeah, that's that's in third place with ten points. Huh. So I mean, again, tracks. I think Sean, you had it pretty low on your list, so I think I, that's what what did it. In I had it fourth. There. Okay. Um, I think you did. I think you did too, Pete. Uh, yeah, you're right. I did. So yeah, that, I had it third. Yeah. So. That's interesting, actually. If you didn't have it so high, Iron Fist might have actually competed with it. <laughs> um, so coming in at 11 points is Jessica Jones. I, I thought my ranking would tank Jessica Jones. It did. That's what kept it from being... If you had given it, um, you know, two slots higher, it would have it would have beat out Daredevil 2. So, um, yeah, that comes in at third, which I don't think is unreasonable. Um, then Daredevil Season 2 comes in second place with 15 votes. And of course, Daredevil season one, at number one was seventeen. Cool, yeah, Pretty good. Yeah, so um, I'm I'm comfortable with that list. So just to recap, we've got Daredevil season one, Daredevil season two, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and the Defenders. Interesting how like those are in reverse chronological order, except for Daredevil. <laughs> I think most people would probably have that ranked the same way, except maybe Defenders over Iron Fist. I could see, or maybe yeah, yeah that that yeah. I can see Jessica Jones That's being I higher. Say. I know that that tracked with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I think overall, Netflix has done a solid job. It's unfortunate that the last two shows have really like pulled down the the perspective of the Netflix series. Um, I am hopeful that The Punisher brings the talk about Netflix back into a positive place. Uh, Marvel's Netflix stuff. Yeah. Uh, so far, all signs point to that being a yes, but if I had to lit lobby the main critique against these shows, for me, it's very simple. The writing is porous, and the uh, the pacing is off at times. Um, Except for Daredevil. Yeah, Daredevil doesn't... Which stands out as being a cut above. From any of these problems, but all the other ones have one it's on its own other, level. I would say. Yeah, I think that's true. Every single one of them has an issue with one or both of those things. Yeah. So that's our ranking. It's uh, official, so you can bank on it until Punisher comes out, and we won't do it again. Um, so, yeah, these are the official rankings, and they will stand forever. I really hope that the Punisher series is on the same level as Season 2 of Daredevil. Me too. Yeah. I have faith. I mean, I think it's going to be good. My hopes are pretty high for it. Especially in light of what we got with like the Defenders. Exactly. Uh, so that's going to do it for us. Um, let us know what you thought about our ranking, and if you agree or disagree. Uh, you should agree, because it's mostly accurate. Um, but if you don't, <laughs> tell us, and well, we'll we'll drag you like we dragged Matt. Um no, I, I <laughs> disagree with us, and we'll use our platform to bu- cyber bully you. Because uh, I am a Hydra member, and that's what we do. X going to give it to you. What was that? <laughs> Robo. Was that your DMX? 
That was a Never terrible that. DMX impression. <laughs> You're in the presence of a black person. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Gosh. Um, all right. So if you want to let us know about your Netflix ranking or anything else, uh, you can reach out to us on iTunes or you can also leave us a rating. Um, I mean, we put on a five-star show, so, you know, just hit that button. For the Daredevil um, podcast. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, you can also reach out to us at the Comics Pals on all forms of social media, at least the relevant ones. We're not on like MySpace or anything like that. Is that still around? I think so. We got to get on MySpace, That's man. That's you're official. Uh, if we were on MySpace, do you guys think that we could get like like officially designated? Like, would would MySpace because there's like so few yeah? Would people? they recognize us? Because if so, then we should definitely be on there, right? It's a good uh, idea. You Let's can, do it. Yeah, I'm down. Marco, get on it. Uh, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And last but certainly not least, we are on YouTube where you can watch our History of the Defenders video, which is still available if you haven't seen it and you have finally watched Defenders. You should go on there and check it out because we talk about the true history of the Defenders. Um, so let's do some plugs. Pete. Cool. Uh, thanks for joining us here again on another episode of the Comics Pals. If you guys want to get some more content from me, check out the video games, which will <laughs> – the video games. The video game pals, which will post tomorrow um, and features me and Sean, although I don't think he'll be on that episode because he's going to be uh, on vacation with his lovely girlfriend, Rebecca. Uh, if you want to check out my writing, you can check me out at CBR.com um, where I've got list- listicles posted there um, or some of my other stuff at PeteAndBessie.com, which I never plug. Go there. Um, and then, yeah, if you want to follow me on social media, I'm at loud underscore Pete, wherever your social media is sold. You can look at cute pictures of my cat or talk to me about the defenders on Twitter. Phil. Um, well, uh, shut up, Phil. As always, you can follow <laughs> me at Toto in Toe. That's T-O-T-O-T-O-T-O. And uh, check out my... One day I'll stop thinking uh, that's shut funny, up, Pete. but not today. Uh, shut up, Pete, for a second, <laughs> please. And uh, Panels Publishing. Check that out, too. Uh, anyway, I'm uh, traversing the globe. Marco? Hi, I'm Marco. Um, I like Swamp Thing. Check out my Swampo... Swampo. <laughs> check out my Swampo. Check out my Swampo erotic fan fiction at Woe is Marco. Underscore? Uh, that's on Insta. He's a Twitter. Whatever. It's either Woe is Marco or Woe is Marco underscore, depending on your platform. And don't check out his check erotic out. Swamp Thing fan fiction. Encourage the boy. Uh, and then you can find me at Cyborg Bebop. You can tell me how uh, you don't want the X Men rights to revert back to Marvel. <sighs> and uh, I'm at Sean Soapbox on Twitter. You can write to me to tell me why they absolutely should revert to Marvel. Uh, because they're about to ruin Jean Grey and the Phoenix again, and that's not cool. And Phil is cool with that. So why don't we talk about that on Twitter? Let's talk about why Phil is a shithead for liking the X-Men at Fox. Hot takes. Yes. Uh, no, just kidding, Phil. Uh, I love you despite your opinions. Um, and with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bana. 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 Bana.